Blog Talk Radio. Hi and hello to everyone out there. My name is Dr. Joe Servan. I'm Editor-in-Chief of Epilepsy.com. Today is Friday, January 27th, 2017, and I'm excited to be uh, having this uh, hallway conversations interview today because we're going to be talking about a topic that we have discussed to some degree in the past, but perhaps not to the level that we should uh, with regards to where this issue stands. I'm talking about the seizure classification system. This is vital because this is about the language that we use to describe seizures. And if we don't get this right, I don't know how everything else follows. To join us is someone who's near and dear to the epilepsy.com family, uh, Dr. Robert Fisher. He is the Maslow Saul Professor of Neurology and the Director of the Comprehensive Epilepsy Center at Stanford University School of Medicine. Bob, it is always a pleasure to welcome you back to anything with epilepsy.com. It's great to have you. Thanks for inviting me back, Joe. It's a pleasure. I want to start off, even though um, we know you very well, I think it's always useful for any of our guests, if you could share with us your current work in epilepsy and your role in the field. Joe, I lead the Epilepsy Center at Stanford, as you mentioned, and there I take care of many people with with resistant uh, seizures. Uh, I've had a long-standing involvement with the epilepsy community as a former president of the American Epilepsy Society, the Arizona president of the Epilepsy Foundation, and on the boards of CURE, uh, EF, and the International League Against uh, Epilepsy. I was a past editor of Epilepsia and maybe most pertinent to this hallway conversation, uh, your uh, predecessor as editor and uh, chief of epilepsy.com, in which you've uh, surpassed me subsequently in every conceivable way. So the ILA asked me to uh, lead the task force uh, on updating the classification of seizure types, and that's our subject today. Well, I guess, can you kind of get us to snuff, uh, set the stage, if you will, what is the current system of classifying seizures? And, and I guess the follow-up already, what's wrong with it, and where do we go from there? Okay. Um, I think most neurologists know the current epilepsy classification system pretty well. Simple partial seizures, complex partial seizures, generalized tonic-clonic, generalized uh, absence, and so on. And a first reaction commonly to hear about changing seizure names uh, is initially some type of uh, groan, uh, followed by the question, why again? But we've actually been using this current classification for 36 years since it was developed in 1981. Our listeners will recall that that's the year that Reagan was elected president, and it was the year that Mary Tyler Moore, who sadly passed away two days ago, started best picture ordinary people, it was a long time ago. Wow. So the 1981 seizure classification worked well, but it did have some limitations. Some seizure types, for example, tonic seizures or epileptic spasms, can have either a focal or a generalized onset, and there was no place for a focal onset in the system. If you didn't know how a seizure began, you couldn't classify it. And then retrospective seizure descriptions 
were often based on a level of consciousness which is confusing and hard to assess retroactively. And then some terms in that system did not have a high level of community acceptance uh, or public understanding, such as uh, psychic, partial, simple partial, complex partial, and the somewhat recently added term discognitive. Uh, for example, a person with focal seizures might be offended by calling them simple because the life consequences might be far from simple. And then lastly, some important seizure types were not included. These are all motivations for making what's a somewhat effortful and admittedly annoying change. <laughs> I love how you're putting it. So, so how do you take, I mean, I, we hear the problems, I hear the issues. So tell us how the new seizure system uh, well, maybe how the process used to create it, and then secondly, uh, just tell us, like, well, how will that kind of play into this, given what we know about the current system? Joe, this was a consensus-based uh, project with uh, an international team of 19 people uh, banging out the system in, in a room and numerous phone calls and emails over a couple of years, and it was preceded by many years of others who laid the groundwork for us. Our view was that a classification is a tool and different users are going to desire different tools. The one we're promoting here, the 2017 ILAE seizure classification system, is mainly aimed at the epilepsy clinician. So a pharmacologist might want to use a different one based on seizure drug responses or a surgeon on anatomical sites or epidemiologists, basic researchers, neonatologists, ICU-based electrophysiologists might all have their own operational classification, and that's perfectly fine. Ours is aimed at clinicians. We started out wanting to derive a system based on the underlying science of seizures and the networks they engage, like neocortical, limbic, thalmocortical, brainstem, others, but we didn't know enough of the science to translate it to a usable classification. Therefore, we decided to modify the existing familiar system, which is observational rather than fundamental. So how, when you modified it, like, what, how is this new system going to be different from the old one? I guess to, to those listening out there, I guess that will be the question will be, how what what's the big differences that you see from the the one now being put out versus what we've had they're not huge differences some of it is just renaming but there are some structural differences we did maintain the same key primary distinction of seizures that originate as a focal onset seizure previously called partial in one right. hemisphere or a generalized onset seizure apparently originating in both hemispheres then we additionally added a placeholder category of unknown onset. For example, a generalized tonic-clonic seizure whose onset was missed. You can still classify it. The next classifier for focal seizures is based on level of awareness. Awareness is a surrogate for level of consciousness, which can be a confusing term to the lay public. So mm -hmm. a focal aware seizure is a renaming of the former simple partial seizure and a focal impaired awareness seizure the old complex partial seizure. But the awareness level classification is optional. If it's not known or not applicable, for example, with a focal myoclonic seizure, 
then awareness need not be used in the classification name. Then we have further divided the focal seizures into motor onset and non-motor onset, and we've acknowledged that several of the generalized motor seizure types can also present focally. For instance, tonic, myoclonic, atonic, clonic, epileptic spasms now have focal as well as generalized seizure types. And we've specifically named a few widely acknowledged seizure types, focal automatisms, hyperkinetic, autonomic, behavior arrest, cognitive, emotional, and sensory. Mm -hmm. A focal seizure is going to be classified by the first prominent manifestation because that marks the brain cider network involved in generating the seizures. Okay. The word generalized oh. now is generalized onset. Okay, okay. So... Um, Generalized onset seizure names are very similar to those of the 1981 classification with a few additions. Epileptic spasms, which can still be called infantile spasms if the age is appropriate. Myoclonic tonic-clonic seizures of JME were added. Myoclonic atonic seizures with the deuce syndrome. And absence with eyelid myoclonia, I'm sorry, eyelid myoclonia of the Jevons uh, syndrome, but the other generalized onset seizure names are the same. Okay. Bob, I, I listened to this, and I know we're going to talk about how to find it so that people can kind of see this in a visual way in, in addition to hearing you describe it. Is this system now into effect, or when does this go into effect? When should we be you know, saying we're not going to use the word uh, generalized convulsion or we're not going to say grand mal anymore. When does this happen? When does this change? Well, we'd, we'd like it to change soon. The classification was adopted by ILAE officially as their position in November of 2016 and we gave a preliminary view in an AES symposium on December 2nd. Right. Uh, but if you, want a, if you want an official onset time, it probably ought to be the online publication time of three epilepsia articles about this and one overview article, which we anticipate happening in mid-February 2017. Uh, they're all accepted already. I will tell you I'm already using the new seizure classification in my clinic notes, but for a while I will probably include the old terms in parentheses. Got it. Um you know, this is one of these questions that um, that often people ask. I know patients will ask. Actually, I've had people ask me when, when this has been brought up and I used a different term. Uh, you know, as a patient said, you know, I never heard my neurologist or other epilepsy doctors actually use this language. Are they going to be trained in it? And if not, how do we all get on the same page that we're all speaking these words? It's a good question, uh, Joe, and I'm not sure that the ILA task force has all the answers to that. That will be a community effort. Uh, there's going to be a process of diffusion of knowledge of the new system, of learning, and hopefully adoption over time. Uh, there'll be articles, reviews, webinars like this one, conference presentations, and hopefully person-to-person -person, uh, training. Uh, the epilepsy journals will almost immediately start requesting use of the 2017 seizure names and publications. However, I will say that those of us in the task force are resigned 
to a certain degree of immortality of legacy terms like grand mal, petty mal, aura, and convulsions. We're not intending to be the classification police, but we uh, hope <laughs> to encourage use of the more precise new terms. Do you, uh, you know, I know f uh, f you've pretty much in, in some degree answered this question. We know that you, as you pointed out, in a f uh, we're going to see uh, some articles coming out in epilepsia. Uh, where else can folks learn more about the classification system, uh, get a better sense of uh, what does this look like from a visual standpoint in terms of using it and uh, and and being able to implement it, um, you know, not only in describing their family members for those who have seizures, or for physicians who are interested in using it for patients. Where can they, where can you pick up more information? Would you suggest, Joe? It it is visual. There are there are two charts, uh, one which is the basic version, and then another which is the expanded version that might be used by neurologists or epileptologists. It's hard to describe it in words, as we're trying to do. There already is a rough draft of the uh, papers on the ILAE.org website. Uh, if people are impatient to wait for it to come up uh, in its final version in February. There'll be review articles and there'll be editorials in several journals uh, other than uh, Epilepsia. And I imagine there will be educational programs uh, also. Um, There'll be good availability and good teaching of this, but it will take some time. So there are also uh, public news stories. For example, Medscape.com uh, has a story based on the AES uh, presentation. Uh, if people want a quick overview as soon as they uh, hear this hallway conversation, I believe that is um, their article number 873167. Thank you. That, that's very appreciated. Uh, one one other question before uh, we kind of get into a wrap up. I I guess my uh, let's assume just to kind of have uh, have a, a kind of a practice and principle here. So if, if someone let's say that they have uh, seizures where they uh, lose consciousness, they have let's say uh, uh, a twitching of the lips or chewing motion, and they lose consciousness. Um, how how would that be, just as a sense of practice, how would that be described? It would be a focal onset seizure with impaired awareness uh, and um, motor activity. And then you say twitching of the lips, so that sounds like probably a, uh, a, uh, a clonic uh, seizure if it's specifically twitching of the lips. So focal onset, impaired awareness, clonic seizure in that particular example. Got it. So, so basically, what what it does, as I hear it, is it just gives you lots more of the description of what the person has, not worrying so much as you, I think, early pointed out, already pointed out, not worried so much about EEG or anything in that direction. It is descriptive. Uh, we do allow use of supplementary information if you have it, because all our listeners uh, will know that you may have a behavioral arrest of activity, and that might be. The old complex partial, or it might be the old generalized absence seizure, now called focal impaired awareness, and the same generalized absence. In that case, you might need an EEG to make that description. Sometimes, if you have that information, you can use it. But the large majority of time, we expect that the seizure will be classifiable 
on the basis of the seizure semiology or behavior. Perfect. Bob, in our last minute or so, um, what take-home issue do you want to make sure that our listeners uh, take away from this podcast uh, as they move forward? First, I want to indicate that the seizure classification is part of a larger effort of the ILAE to classify epilepsies. And one of the three papers is, is led by Ingrid Sheffer on the new classification of the epilepsies. Um, so that is, that is different from what I'm talking about. And similarly, uh, epilepsy syndromes such as Lennox, Gastaut, Gervais, juvenile absence, et cetera, are another story. Um, those are not official to the ILA, but they're important. Secondly, I want to mention that doctors and clinics have to use ICD-9, 10, and 11. 11 is based on seizure etiologies, so it's consistent with this classification. And then ICD-12 will be uh, specifically merged with the new terms. Uh, classification is international. We made an effort to make it translatable into a variety of languages uh, and uses. And ultimately, uh, the effect uh, we hope will be that seizures that did not fit well into any classification uh, pigeonhole will now be easier to classify. It'll be clearer what we mean when we say seizures are of a particular type, and the terminology will be more transparent to the non-medical uh, community as well as to doctors. Well, we are going to be very excited to see the uh, manuscripts coming out. Uh, we appreciate the uh, the website uh, references so that folks can find these on ilae.org and as well as the article from Medscape.com. Bob, I want to thank you so much, as always, for always being a good friend to epilepsy.com and uh, for joining us today. Uh, we hope we can uh, count on you for, for you to show up uh, a few more times as we roll these um, uh, classification out or any issue that comes up with seizures. Uh, we really appreciate having you here. Anyway, I can help. Thanks for having me back, Joe. Oh, it's always a pleasure. We have been talking to Dr. Robert Fisher. He is the Maslasol Professor of Neurology and Director of the Comprehensive Epilepsy Center at Stanford University School of Medicine. We've been talking about the new classification system. We have uh, in the podcast, as you heard from uh, Dr. Fisher, he gave us some areas where we could see some visual representation. We also have that on our epilepsy.com website. I want to thank everyone for listening today. Uh, I hope that it's uh, been very helpful and useful to you, and more importantly, I hope you come and return back to epilepsy.com's hallway conversation. Uh, my name is Dr. Joe Servanetta, in chief of epilepsy.com. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks again.